they had the ceremony to shame you. Basically, you're cut off from your connections. And I thought that that was so awesome that Jesus publicly took the shame for us so that we can run to the Father. And not only can we find forgiveness and healing and redemption and all those things in his arms, he continues to fight for us. Little kids go and hide behind their dad sometimes when they're scared. And he continues to fight for us. And I'm so thankful this morning that he's fighting for me.
sing the praises of the glory of Jehovah. Paul preached that all is lost save knowing Christ. And little John said he is precious by leaning on his bosom. So for a moment, may I humbly testify. Well, did I mention that I love him, how I worship and adore him? Same old 
miles and miles You've been hearing the same old voice Tell the same old lies You've been trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a chain breaker We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight We've all run to things we know just ain't right But there's a better life There's a better life search for the light of day in the dead of night we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight we've all run to things we know just ain't right but there's a better life there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel low If you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it. Somebody testify. You got pain. He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, we'll save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you need freedom, Shaking Savior, if you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it. 
If you receive it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. You got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. Shaking Savior, if you got chains, he's a chain breaker. He's a prison shaking Savior, if you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Savior, and I felt fire from above, and I've been down to the river, and I ain't the same, a prodigal return. Jesus, thank 
Before the throne, I stand complete. You'll know that Jesus paid it all. Do you realize what the debt is that he has paid for you? Do you realize what you have waiting for you? When I stand before the throne complete, Jesus died my soul, my lips, thou shall repeat. It will repeat it over and over again. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing it one more time. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it Show up and we will take you through the fire. 
never been forsaken. I've never had to stand one test alone. That's when my spirit rises, victories. My spirit rises up in me, and it's through the fire.
in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in just hold on our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again oh so just hold on our Lord will show up and he will take you
Thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you. Sue talked about us having a good crowd today. I think we just lost half of them. <laughs> Hopefully, I know some of them dropping the kids off. Maybe they'll make it back in. Glad to have you with us this morning. I know Pastor Tim's on vacation. I hope and pray that you will remember him in prayer, that he would have a good time away, that he would be able to relax and refresh himself. He's got some puzzles to do, and he's got some... Gatlinburg things to look at and some time to enjoy and just uh, kind of refresh himself and rejuvenate himself and uh, he um, pretty much does um, a lot of uh, a lot of time and a lot of energy into being our pastor and it's good for him to be away. I told him I said if, if uh, you need anything or you can think of anything, give me a call. And he says, well, if you think of anything, call Jesus. So. <laughs> I think I got the hint. <laughs> so uh, I did not call him about anything, but um, I know what he meant. But um, and in light of tonight, I really invite you back if you can make it. I, look over, and you don't have to go there, but in Jeremiah 33.3 it says, Call on me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Someone shared that with me when I was talking to them this morning about potentially tonight what I felt the Lord had laid upon my heart. I hope and pray that you're uh, with us today in spirit and in not only in body, but you're ready to hear a good word from the Lord. Not that I have a good word, but the word of God is good. And what God has in his word is good. And it is refreshing and it is encouraging. And it lifts us up in times of despair. And, you know, anyone who's ever stood behind a pulpit, whether it be a Brother Randy or a Brother Bill or anyone else within, uh, uh, Brother Bobby or those within this congregation, Brother Andy, you know that you always feel an awesome responsibility to do what God has you to do and what you feel God has laid upon your heart, but you battle it for days and hours and moments saying, no, nah, that's not it, that's, that's, not, that's not nice enough. That's a little too hard. That's a little bit, oh, that's, that's not my turf. I don't need to go there. That, that's Pastor Tim's turf. That's not, my, that's not my job. That's Pastor Tim's job. Okay, you have heard me say, and I hope that I always honor this and I never make the mistake. It would never be intentional, but I will not do a pastoral message. He's your pastor. I'm not. But God has laid a word on my heart today for a congregation that I hope will receive what God has given. Um, it's sort of like this. When you, when you don't preach many times, God lays things upon your heart and you, and, you, and you meditate upon those things and you work on those things and you think, God, is this what you want me to really deliver in this hour, in this moment, in that time? And uh, I don't know, maybe like a sister Betty would do or whatever, having a family over for dinner and, and you think, well, I think I'm going to cook pot roast. And then as soon as you make that decision to cook pot roast, and I'm not trying to belittle the message that God gives, but as soon as you make that decision, you think, well, maybe not pot roast because Daryl likes pork chops and Tim likes spaghetti. And, uh, and, and, and my grandson that's coming, he prefers meatloaf. Oh, my goodness, I just don't know what I'm going to do, but I really felt like it was pot roast. Well, at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you where Betty gets pot roast, meatloaf, or pork chops, all of them go home fed. And they all go home satisfied and said, you know what, I don't know what that was, but it was good. Bondi's dad used to always say, I don't know if I was hungry or not, but that was good. That was really good. 
So I hope and pray this morning that with the word that God has given, that you'll go home and say, that was good. I have a question for you, and I want to really make you think about this. I'm going, I don't like to use a lot of passages because I don't want you flipping 100 pages, but there are two verses, two areas today. One of them will be John 14, and the other one will be Matthew 16. Very little in John, just a little bit in Matthew. I usually kind of give you the context of the sermon, and then we go from there. But the Word of God tells us in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Then came, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? That I, the Son of Man, am. And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias. Others would say Jeremiah, and others were one of the other prophets. But he said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And over in John 14, the majority of the message is going to be from Matthew, so if you want to keep your finger over there. But in John 14, 9, it says, When Jesus was comforting his apostles and he was talking to those amongst him, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father. And henceforth you know him and you've seen him. But Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, as it would suffice or please you. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? Now you may think that's an odd circumstance, but I can tell you it's possible to be amongst the people and not know someone. It is possible to be amongst the people and not know. I would venture to tell you, my brother Dave over here, Waslava, I, I called him a different name for three months. You know, and, and you can get mixed up. Many of you may know me as DJ, but how many of you really know my real name? Thank you, brother Mark. One answer. How many of you know my middle name? How many of you know my second middle name? Ha, you didn't know I had two, did you? How many of you know that DJ stands for Don Jr.? Nobody. I've been with you 15 to 20 years. And there are many of you that I know about you, but do I really know you? The Lord was asking us the same question. Jesus is in the midst of us, being with us in this congregation, coming amongst us, but I still say there's times that we really don't know who he is. And he says to you, have I been with you yet so long that you still don't know me? You've been around me, you're familiar with me, but you don't know me. You don't really know me in the full revelation of what the Father has given. And the message that I believe that God has given unto me today is that burning question that Jesus asked, whom do you say that I am? Not who your neighbor sitting next to you says, but who do you say that I am? And that burning question went out into a people at that time, and many of them gave many different answers. And I would tell you that if you would go amongst the world, you would get so many answers to whom Jesus is. Some would say a prophet. Some would say a great teacher. Some would say the Son of God. Some would say the son of Mary. 
they would give him many names and many titles, but our sister Ravonda, my wife, sings the songs, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's more than just a story. He is the king of glory. But Jesus asked that question unto those that were closest to him, his own disciples that were following him. This wasn't to a bunch of lost folks. This is to those that were closest to him, Brother Randy. <laughs> You've been with me, but you still don't know me. You still don't know me. Perhaps they were blinded by preconceived notions or, or what they thought he should be or, or how he fit into their life or, or, or what he was going to be providing them or doing for them. Perhaps there were many, many, many things that blinded them to whom Jesus really was. I mean, he had been healing. He had been raising. He had been touching. He had been feeding. He had been doing so much amongst them but yet they still did not know who he is. The question in 2023 as we begin this year, do you really know who Jesus is? Do you really know him? Do you really know him? Not the one next to you, not the one next to you, not the one in front of you, nor the one behind you, but do you? This is a personal question that personally needs to be answered. And everyone will have to answer this question at a time and a place within their life. Some, he just may be this or that. To some, he is Lord of all. Because I believe, as Jesus had told them, that the revelation of the pricked heart of a man will begin to see, and it will begin to get aligned, and that head up here that messes everything up will get aligned with the heart that God has touched, and Jesus will reveal himself in a special manner and you'll know him as you've never known before. It tells you that we are and we have and he asks the question and eventually it is so good when the I am becomes who I am. Let me say that again. When the I am becomes who I am. Because I see many within the church world today that claim the name but yet they remain the same. I'm going to try not to beat up nor tear down, but many times I wonder if Jesus, and this is not about full gospel assembly, this is about the church world as a whole, so please don't take it personal, the 200 people that are here. If it pricks your heart, that's between you and God. But in the church world today... I wonder if Jesus walked into many of the services as he'd even recognize it, what it was. What are you all doing? What is going on? I don't even know this. I don't even recognize this place. I'm nowhere near this. This is nothing about me. And he would say that not only about the church world, but he would say that about our individual lives about our individual lives. The revelation of God has informed us that we need to be transformed and then conformed to the image of His Son. I got some beliefs that I believe that God has given me, not special revelations, but I believe they're things that God has taught me and shown me. But in Romans 8, 29, it says, Oh, that we be conformed to the image of His Son. And many times we get it so backwards 
We get the cart way before the horse. You know, we believe God has done a work. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a musician. I'm just a musician. Or, or I'm a preacher. Or I'm this. Or I'm a missionary. Or I, what are you? That's what I am. No, 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 no. You are to be conformed to the image of his son. Then let him call you to where he wants you to work. Many times we ask God that we're ready to do the work and say, God, fit it in and make it work. But we're nowhere conformed to the image of the Son. Sometimes we're yet carnal. Sometimes we're yet worldly. Sometimes we're yet immature. I thought when I first got saved, Brother Bill, you remember it? I think you were there. A week or about a year or so later, the Lord called me to preach. And I wondered within two months why I didn't have my own church. Thank God I didn't have my own church. Oh, what a mess I would have made. But I tell you, and I see this in the lives of individuals, and I see this beyond a shadow of a doubt, and as clear as the bell is, when Jesus was in that mission, and when he was going about his father's business, and he was touching and he was healing, anyone who came in contact with Jesus was changed forevermore. Let me say that again. Anybody who came in contact with Jesus was changed forevermore. The lame were no longer lame. The blind were no longer blind. The mutes were no longer mute. Those who could not hear could now hear. Those who could not walk could now walk. Those who could not see could now see. Those who changed their lives, their lives were changed by a contact with Jesus Christ, were changed forevermore. Brother Dave Bullock back here, I believe, and he said it with me, had he not come to Jesus, he'd still have cancer. Okay, dead as a door on that one. Many of your lives would still be the same. Brother Bill, if you hadn't met Jesus Christ, probably still drinking that old booze. That lie, he probably wouldn't even be here. Many of us could echo the same things. If I hadn't made Jesus Christ, I'd still be that drug addict. Brother Tim, I still got your testimony in my Bible where I've read it. Many of us, if we had not come to Jesus, our lives would still be the same. So the question is asking me, how come our lives are still the same as the old life was? Do we really know him? Because I tell you, people that have experienced Jesus have had him in a full revelation, have had him touch their lives. That last thing I said a few minutes ago, and I don't go for reaction, I don't go for emotion, I don't go for any of that stuff. But I tell you what, when this word is said that anybody who's come in contact with Jesus, their lives should be changed forevermore. Everybody in this church who has been changed should have said amen. About four have. Are we changed? Are we changed? Jesus changes everything when you really know who he is. So if nothing has changed, the question would be, who do you say that the Son of Man is? If no change, do you really know him? If still bound, have you been touched by the master? If still broken, beat it, and defeat it, have you come to Jesus? We see the power of God moving within this congregation, trying to break loose, trying hard, trying hard, trying really hard. The water stirs. The water gets troubled. The waters are shaking. 
the old those on the side of the pool that says if someone would just help me to go in, my life would be changed forevermore. But we walk out the same. We walk out at times, and not just us, the this world as a whole. I've been watching many things, and the next thing that Jesus talks about in this passage, you all wish Brother Tim was back, don't you? The next passage that Jesus says within the Matthew there, he says, not only do you know who, I want you to know who I am. And he says, upon that statement, I will build my church. I tell you what, and that's probably where what I said a little bit earlier fits in even better. I, I don't know if Jesus would recognize half the churches today. I, I, I honestly don't. I don't. And I'm not throwing off on them and I'm not being negative, but I don't even know if he would even recognize them. My brother, a few weeks ago, one of my brothers here in the church, and, I, and I'm just talking about, i got to be really, really careful here because I'm getting a turf I don't belong. But there comes a point and a time and a place where this is a sacred place. Not just this building, but being part of the body of Christ is a sacred thing. And it's a special thing. A brother of mine, like I said, was teasing me a while ago. I went through the church, and not that I'm anybody or anything or anything, but there was a bunch of garbage in the floor and stuff, and I picked it up. And, you know, he said, do you want a vacuum cleaner? And I said, no, I'll pick it up. But my house shall be called a house of prayer, but apparently this is a garbage can. You may think I'm legalistic and silly, but no. It is what you make it. It is what you make it. Yes, it's four walls, but it is what we make it. And there's so many churches today that have made it there. Peter's confession was, upon this I will build my church. But the problem is, many churches today are making Jesus part of their church. Did you understand what I said there? They're making Jesus part of their church. They've got their programs. They've got their performance. They've got their procedures. They've got their plans. They've got all their programs lined up, ready to go, and ready to roll. And oh, by the way, Jesus is king. I flipped through the channels the other day, trying not to be goofy about it, trying not to let it bear my spirit down, Brother Bobby. I did. And I watched it and watched it. And I heard one of the people say, Sister Shiloh, I love how she pulls out some of the hymnals. Because it was said by this one group that's very notable in their music, well, we write better songs than all those old songs. What is better? Have thine own way, Lord. What is better than Jesus paid the all? You look at some of the words of Fanny Crosby, that woman knew what she was writing. But, you know, they said, we got it figured out. We've got the beat figured out. We've got the music figured out. We've got the, the chords figured out. We know how to play them just right to draw that emotion out of you when that chorus is just right, that hymn is just right, those words are just right, and that music builds to a crescendo just at the right time. People are crying their eyes out. I watched the other day on the TV someone sing a, a, a song, and it was a secular song, and she, they sang it really good. I was flipping through the channels, and... You know, and, and it's like, wow, that person can really sing. And, you know, it touched my heart because they really could sing. But many times we're so busy making Jesus part of our church, we've left him completely outside. Because he says, upon 
Peter's testimony, I will build my church. And I love what Brother Andy said last week. And I, I hope that that's not what he's going to preach about in a week or so. But I stole a little bit of it from him. He talks about what he wanted his church to be. And the my church, not my personal church, but the my church that Jesus speaks about is a church of prayer. It is a house of prayer. It is a house of deliverance. It is a house of reformation. It is a house of restoration. It is a house of power. It is a house of evangelism where souls are saved. Do we have it? It is a house of truth. It is a house of edification. It is a house of refuge. It is a house so full of the Holy Ghost that the gates of hell are shake when the power of God is upon this place. That's what Jesus' church is. But our church, the church, again, when I say our church, folks, remember, it's not just about the, the church as a whole. It's their church. Their ministry, their plans, their programs, their procedures, and their policies. And they just hope that Jesus fits in. And I think if he would walk within any many of the walls, he wouldn't even know the place. Because they don't know who he is. My church is the place I want to be. That's the place I want to be. And here's something that's really tough. Jesus talked about knowing the I am. When the I am becomes who I am. And I become part of his church. And I hope that you don't feel like I'm being pastoral on this because it's not. This is evangelistic. A Christian should want to be in church. Oh, that was dead. A Christian should want to be in church. Corey, a hunter wants to hunt. Mike, a fisherman wants to fish. A golfer wants to golf. Uh, 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 a sports enthusiast wants to go to that game. Sister Connie, I love you in the Lord, but a camper wants to go camping. A Christian should want to be in church. A Christian should want to be in church. A Christian should want to be in church. And I'm not getting legalistic on you. But you should want to be in church. If this is the last place you want to be, if walking into this building is a place of dread, I would check who I am and do I know him as my Savior. If you don't want to be here, if this is the last place you want to be, if on Sunday morning the wife gets up and says, "Hun, we're going to church, and you're like, oh, again? I have to go listen to Pastor Tim? I have to go listen to that? And then what, Sunday night too? And what, oh my goodness gracious, Sister Bondi, when she was young and some of you were young, they went 37 times a week. I don't know if it's 37, but and I'm not joking at you guys, but I'm saying really, a Christian should want to be in church. You should want to get close to God's people and hear from God's people and be communing with God's people and grouping together with God's people and learning what God has for you and you know what, what you perhaps have for them. I used to think from my sister Sue and she's going to tell me one of these days I can't use it anymore. But I said, I don't know why God's brought us a full gospel assembly. They got people all over the place and she said to me as coldly and as saintly as Sue could say, well, maybe God didn't bring you here for us. 
Maybe he brought you here for, I don't know how she said it, but basically she was saying, maybe he brought you here to help you. Thank you. Thank you. I've grown a lot here at Full Gospel. Y'all don't, it's been 15 plus years. You still ain't kicked me out. After today, it might be, but I don't know. But I'm telling you the truth. Think about it. I mean, I, and I'm not picking at any of these personal things you want to do, but I know my brother Corey, he likes to go hunt. I don't know, hunting season opens on what? October 1st. I tell you, September 1st, he's getting everything ready. He's getting the guns ready, the boots ready. He's getting the arrows ready. He's getting the, the, the overalls ready, the hats ready. He's telling McKenzie, let's go practice. They're out there. They're excited about it. Are you excited about coming to God's house? Are you excited about what God might do, can do? We sit there and we looked this past week about a bunch of football players, and I'm not minimizing what happened, but everybody's been touched by that and everybody's been changed by that and see the things can't happen if a people would get together. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their nation and I will do a work in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And that happens when a people wants to be with a people in church and connecting to God, connecting to one another and God doing a work. But many don't want to be here. I'd rather be somewhere else. I got better things to do. It's boring. It's not exciting. It's not entertaining. Oh, I wish they had what those other churches have. Well, we'll buy some lasers for you if that's what you got to have. We'll buy some strobe lights for you if that's what you got to have. Mark, I'm sorry. We can't. Okay. Mark said no. I'll wear some skinny jeans and put some holes in it. If that's what it has to have to have you listen. I'll put those skinny jeans on and then you'll say, oh my God, please take them off. Never wear them again. I'll go buy myself a $500. Bonnie, can I buy myself a $500 pair of gym shoes? I'll slick my hair back. I'll wear my hoodie. I'll do, you know, I'll do all those things that will entertain you. You know what? Let me tell you this. One of the things us old people learn, what saves you is going to keep you. And if you're saved by a hoodie, and if you're saved by a hat, and if you're saved by a pair of skinny jeans, or you're saved by a fantastic song and a laser show, that ain't going to last. It ain't going to last. But those who know the I am and have been touched by the I am and the I am has made you what you are today, you want to be in God's house. You want to be in God's house. You want to hear what God has for you that day. You want to hear from his word. You want to learn from that class. You want to hear from that study. And I know there's times you can't, and I know there's difficulties. I know there's circumstances. I know there's situations. I get it. I go on vacation too. I understand. But if all can be here, you want to be in God's house. If you don't want to be here, you don't know who he is. Something's wrong. Because the other part of this message that Jesus laid out to them I know everybody's saying, oh, Tim, how long is Tim gone? <laughs> Not only has the Christ become a new revelation to you when you know who he is, and not only does the church become a new revelation unto you, 
in this passage. And this is all God's word. You got a problem with it? And if my interpretation of it's wrong, I don't feel it is. The third place that he dealt with was the cross. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up a... Maria, you've been on this for Thursday night Bible study for three weeks, and I was saying, I wish she'd be quiet. But it was what God's word was given to that time. It was a confirmation of what God had laid upon my heart for the last couple weeks. But if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Pick up his cross and follow me. In Romans 8, 29, that tells us, For who he did know, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of a son. The cross is a time when we become conformed to the image of a son. The word of, of the word of God and the word of confirmation and the work of confirmation and conforming us is a tough work and it's a hard work. It is. It's a hard work. I know that. There's times that God will deal with you and he will convict you and he will come upon you and you'll feel like, oh, that's the last place I want to be tonight is that church. Every time I go there, I feel conviction. Or I feel this, or I feel this. And I never will forget what an old wise saint said to me years ago. Jacob, you'll like this. If the altar calls, not, not that Jacob needs it. If the altar calls bothering you, maybe if you go up and pray, it won't be so bad. If the altar calls too long, how about you go up and pray? I bet it goes a lot quicker. Many of times, though, what we do, when we say, we say to the Lord, Take my cross. And what I'm trying to say is that many times we got so many things in our life that we don't want to give to him, but we want him to accept us no matter how we are. I know God loves us, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he will not cast you out, and I get that. But there comes a point in a time when the Lord begins to do a work and says, that is no longer profitable for your life. That is no longer good for your life. That is not profitable for you at this time. You need to put that down. You need to stop that. That's not good for you. That's not something you should have in your life. That's not something you need. And the Lord has dealt with me many times in my life in those exact circumstances. I could have had those from the church come up and tell me, you know, you're doing that and that's wrong. And I would have felt, well, who do you think you are? You think you're Sue? She's the only saint in this church. Only Sue can say that. But no, when God deals with me and that still small voice comes and says, you don't need that anymore. That's not good for you. Because, see, he tells us to take up his cross and follow him. And, and you know, some of you who like some of that old-time church music, there's an old, old song and an old, old thing that some of the old saints used to do. And I want to share it with you. And I'm not trying to be comedic and I'm not trying to be performing. And it's not about that. But there's an old bluegrass song that says that old white flag of surrender. Y'all heard it? That old white flag of surrender. Where the old saints would raise that handkerchief that they would have. And they said, Lord, I'm surrendering it all unto you. I give it unto you. They would surrender. And they would give it. And there was a point in time in the church that I remember. And the churches that I grew up in. the places that I grew in. And again, the church as a whole. Not just a full gospel assembly. But all. There needs to be some white flags of surrender raised. And said, Lord, I want your will for my life. No longer my will. Because I'm messing it up. But God, I want the I am to become who I am. And I want the church that I go to. To be a powerful working organization. That is changing lives. Making a difference in lives. 
revelations are happening, reformation is happening, restoration is happening, lives are being changed as a whole. It's making a difference in people's lives. Change is happening. But I got to pick up my cross. If anyone come after me, deny himself, come after me. And it will be so evidential that all can see it. I can only use references that I know because they are references that are my own personal references. But have you ever had someone say to you when you've come to the Lord, there's something different about you. What's changed? You're not like you used to be. Brother Bill, you don't go down there to that bar and grill anymore and come home three weeks later with no paycheck. What's wrong with you? What happened? You ain't no fun no more. Randy, you ain't hanging out with all those guys anymore. Tim, well, you ain't buying no more? What's up? What happened to you? Did you get religious? But I feel, as those who are going to sing, come forward. See, when the preaching's done, it's done. That's the only amen I got today. <laughs> Let me try that again. When the preaching's done, it's done. I didn't mean to make it comedic, but it seems like that's the one. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's people within this congregation today that their hearts are heavy and they feel a spirit of conviction because they don't want to be here. They don't want to be here. They're here in body, but they're not here in spirit. Oh, I wish he would just be quiet. I wish he would stop. He's getting too close. It's getting a little warm here. It's getting a little too personal. It's getting a little too close. It's getting a little bit where I'm living. And oh, if he would just be quiet, like old brother Tim said in his testimony many times, if they would just quit, I could sneak out of here. But then guess what happened? They sung one more verse. And that old man turned around to him and said, Jesus loves you. I want to tell you today, this message may seem a little tough. But I care about what happens to the body of Christ. And I care about what Jesus wants to do. We had a brother come in a few weeks ago. Talk about revival, right? How many of you loved what he said? Nobody, apparently. Okay. How many of you listened to what he said? Okay. You know, for a Pentecostal bunch, and I know I'm Baptocostal too, I know. You all got to get a little more amen every once in a while. Just pretend, fake it till you make it. I know I'm, I'm as Baptocostal as any of you. I know that. But let me tell you. I do believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wanted me to give this message this morning because he wants to do a work in us, people. Do you know who he is? You may have sung about him for years. You may have even preached at this, or you may have taught a class. You may have done this. You may have done many things, but, but you've allowed yourself to go cold. You've allowed yourself to drift away. You've allowed your heart to be hardened. But Jesus wants to ask you, if you know who I really am, Come to me today and let's build a relationship. You want to be part of his church, working in his church, ministering in his church, adding to his church daily as the church should be saved. The word of God tells us that that can happen. Revival can come, lives can be changed, and people can be changed. When we as a church 
share what happens with God's happened to us. And last but not least, that old cross, that's a tough place. That's a tough, tough thing. But that old song sings this. Brother Bill may remember it. I know Sue knows a lot of songs, and Bonnie knows a lot of songs, and Sister Betty knows a lot of songs. But I'm not going to stretch this out long. I'm not going to try to force you. I'm not going to try to make you. Because if I make you, the devil will take it away right when you go out. But if God's been dealing with your heart today, I want to read these last few words. And I do ask this beyond a shadow of a doubt. When the altar call is happening, be respectful of the altar call. If people are up here praying and you got to go, go out quietly. The service isn't done until the altar is closed. But the old song says, why don't you just wave that old white flag of surrender. Come down to the altar and let God save your soul today. Here's the part that really hit me when I was sent to the other day and remembered it. You run from the Lord since so far back you can't even remember. Let him ease your troubled mind. Let him ease your troubled mind and cleanse your soul today. Do you know me? Sister Becky, stand as you feel led. Have you a heart that's weary, tending a of care? And are you a soul that's seeking rest from the burden you bear? Do you know my Jesus? Do you know
in this church and you believe that there is a God and you want to make heaven your home and you say that God would send nobody to a devil's hell, I agree with you a thousand percent. But listen to these words. In John 5, it says, The Father judges no man, but he commits all judgment unto the Son. That's in John 5, 22. See, it matters what you do with Jesus. It matters what you do with Jesus. It matters what you do with Jesus. The I am should become who I am. His church should be important to me. His cross should be something that I take upon my life. So again, as they sing a few more words, and again, I'm not stretching this out. I'm not forcing this out. But if you need to pray today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, there are men and women that will come and pray with you this morning. If you have a burden this morning that you are just heavily so carrying that you need feathers and brothers within this church to pray for you or sisters to pray for you, they will do that. If you have other needs that we not of, that we know not of, come forward to an altar in prayer. Wave that old white flag of surrender. Come down to the altar and let him ease your soul today. But if you're wanting to get out of here and you're so crazy right now and you're saying, oh, I wish he'd be quiet, but you still think heaven's going to be your home, I'm going to ask you, if you can't stand one hour here, how are you going to handle eternity? How are you going to handle eternity in heaven? If you want to get out of here right now because this is driving you crazy, let me tell you, heaven's going to be a whole lot different. Heaven's going to be a whole lot different. You're going to have some of them Baptist folks and Pentecostal folks and Methodist folks just talking about how good and how great Jesus has changed their life for eternity. Bear with me. Five more minutes. We have a few brothers, I think, that want to pray this morning as they continue to sing. If you have a need, we invite you forward. The service will be few after the altar call is closed.
65,000 people in silence and respect and honor for a life that was in the balance on Monday Night Football. You guys can call me crazy. You can say I'm silly and I'm too much this, but I'm old school. When the Spirit of the Lord is dealing, lives are in the balance. And when God is moving, eternity is in the balance. Think about that. When the Spirit of God is moving and conviction is upon someone's heart, life is in the balance. Lives can be changed. All hearts and all minds clear. I got you out of here 50 minutes earlier than normal. But I do ask you tonight, I know it's a, I know it's a sacrifice for some and some can't, and I, I get it. I, I understand I'm not trying to be mean or hard or, quote, whatever you would want to call me. But tonight's a special time of prayer for needs and lives. I know there's sons in here that need to be saved. I know there's daughters in here that need to be changed. I know there's mothers whose lives are in the balance. I know there's people, and I'm going to invite you back tonight for a, a special service because I want to tell you this, and I'm going to let you go. Or I believe that God is finished, and we'll let you go. I was in bed about a, three weeks ago, and in the middle of the night, two words come to my mind. God knows. And I'm not saying it's any special revelation or I'm anything special, but that was laid upon my heart that God knows, and I haven't been able to lay it down. So tonight we're going to talk about that a little bit, what God knows, but we're also going to have a special time of prayer in the service. For those of you who want to sing tonight, pray about what God would have you to sing tonight. Pray that God would use you tonight in the service. So those of you who want to pray and be with us tonight, we invite you back. All hearts, all minds clear?